So I want to start by telling you that um, before we even read the passage, <coughs> when Jeremy sent out the request for uh, uh, the dates for teaching, I actually picked this date because I knew I would be available. Um, I, I did not go through the, um, the text and then say, oh, I think I can resonate with that. I just, I knew that next week and the week after I was going to be gone and this was going to be um, a, a, good, a good fit for me time-wise. When I found the text <clears throat> to be Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, I was really shocked because at a time in my life in 1985, I was going through some very difficult, uh, you know, e emotional and uh, just, my girlfriend broke up with me, okay? So, um, <laughs> and, and we were supposed to get married. So I was going through this this whole time of, of just despair. And um, I came upon the last two verses of this passage that just struck me um, and have hung with me throughout my life. And um, it may be a bit out of context um, to apply that to my situation as it was, but it was um, it was a great, I hate to say this because it sounds so Christianese, it was, it was a terrific comfort to me. <laughs> And I, I just, I clung to this verse uh, like, you know, uh, a drowning man to a raft for a long time. And uh, it, it just is kind of weird the way things come around. And uh, uh, I just wanted to share that with you. So um, who would like to read this, uh, this passage? <coughs> Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Yeah. Oh, thank you. For this reason, I bow my knees uh, before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth that you know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God and to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power that work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen thank you sir Um, can anyone uh, rewind a second and give me the the context of for this reason? I just like to start there. He says for this reason. For for what reason? I'm 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 wondering if anybody would like care to chime in on that one. I don't want to pick on you, Jeremy, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone before I go to Jeremy? <laughs> what reason is he talking about? Well, he's built up through Ephesians so far all that God has done for us through Christ and the Spirit, how he's a united Jew and Gentile. Um, so talking about unity in the church, he 
beginning of chapter 3. He kind of starts this for this reason, and he pauses and goes on a little bit of a rabbit trail. And it seems like this might be part of the thing he's coming back to then for this reason. So he's speaking about all, all of what God has done for us, uniting him, uniting us to God and uniting us to one another for this reason. Probably not as thoroughly, but that's how I read it. I mean, you know, um, he says, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. We are grafted into the, the tree of the, the lineage of Christ as Gentiles, and um, we are part of that family. According to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So he's praying for very specific things. He prays to receive power, okay? What exactly does that power, what does that look like to you when you think about that verse? When you, you stop there for a second, and say, what, what is this power through his spirit that he's even talking about? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? It's the power for our daily lives. Power for our daily lives? Okay. I like that. If you go down to 17, you see where it says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That power for our daily lives is to generate um, that faith in us through Christ. Um, I believe this is really a key element of this verse in that we don't, I don't often think about the power of Christ. I think about the grace of Christ and I think about the, um, um, the selflessness of Christ. I, I think about the glory of Christ. I, I think about the unmatched, undeniable, um, holiness of Christ which which scares me to be honest with you that's that's where I where I have um, anxiety in my life is that when I consider how holy Christ is compared to my life but I don't often think about the power of Christ and that power is what Paul is asking for right here hey Thebes we just started um, okay. Where did I go? Okay. So, he also prays to fully grasp the love that God has shown them. Okay. That you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So when I come up across this verse, I look at that and say, so Paul is actually 
praying that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, may dwell in us so that we can even comprehend what's happening in salvation. Normally, I being someone who likes to race to the end, you know, get it done, get it over with, I would I would read past these verses, okay? That's my MO, you know, I just like, oh yeah, yeah, that's just fluff. I get it. I get power and grace and this and that. But it's it's really it's really germane to our situations as people who cannot fully comprehend what salvation is uh, until we are face to face with 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 Christ. We can comprehend some of it. Some of us can comprehend more of it. Some of us don't comprehend it at all. But there is there is a a um, a plea that we can have the strength that is given to us through the Spirit to really understand what's happening in salvation and grace as we walk through this life. Um, He also prays that the Spirit strengthens the Ephesians so that they understand Christ's love, okay? So what's the difference, Nick? Well, he first prays that we understand the power of Christ. Now he's praying that we understand the love of Christ. So it's really simple for me personally to understand love because I've experienced it in different capacities. So I can make that that shift between loving my children and loving my wife and then, of course, loving God. However, I really don't think, if I was being honest with myself, I could say that I adequately comprehend the love of Christ. I I simply am unable to as a human being. We are, as children of God, getting closer to that place But this is something that Paul believes is worth stopping and asking that we are given the knowledge to understand the love of Christ. It surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So what do you think that means? What do you think it means, all the fullness of God? Something else, by the way, just, I would just run right over if I was reading this, you know, like to my daughter or something. I'd be like, don't worry about that. (laughs) I'm such a good, I'm such a good dad. Don't worry about that verse. (laughs) All the fullness of God. What is that? What is, what is, what do you think of when you think of all the fullness of God? All of it? All of it. Thank you, Alan. <laughs> I don't know if this is what it means, but it makes me think of us being completely filled to the room with Christ so that there's not room for other things in our own hearts and in our lives. Like, he is taking up all the space in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, that we are able to love him with all our heart, all our mind, and our strength. Maybe that's not what it means. It's talking more about 
God's fullness himself, but when we're filled up with his fullness, it just makes me think of a bucket that's just filling over, and there's no room for anything else in there because it's already full of him. I like that. If that's how you look at it, that's great. I don't, I actually don't have an answer. I, I'm, I can give you speculation, but I don't know for sure what, you know, the exact answer would be. Um, yes, Josh. Uh, it reminds me of that phrase in the first chapter toward the end of it, um, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Uh, and that would be like the representation of Christ to the world since Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So the corporate church, the corporate body, together as one new man, represents Christ to a fallen, broken world. And, like, why are we filled, right? This, this text is not written to individuals. It's written to the collective body. Right. So it's not... There's a, like the strengthening, for instance. It's like, I can't contain Christ. I think of it like, if there was like a little nuclear factory going on inside of me, it would just completely rip me apart. Yet, being strengthened by God contains that power to stay there. Does that make sense? I like that. I like that. You'd have a Chernobyl in your own body. Colossians chapter 1, Paul, and kind of a, a sister letter to, to Ephesians. Paul, in talking about Christ and the church, he says about Christ, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you know, as we think about the power uh, of Christ in us, it's and uh, Christ's high priestly prayer in John 17, that you know, kind of uniting. Uh, we, we are one just as the Father and the Son are one. He brings us together with them. And it's this uh, the beauty of union with Christ that is so hard for our minds to grasp. Uh, it just as the, the fullness of God uh, is pleased to dwell in Christ. Christ now is the head of the church, has filled us uh, in that same way. Kind of, and this is even pointing forward into the last chapters of, of Ephesians. Like that, and, and this is how that plays out in your life. You want to know how smart I am? I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I argue with the pastor? <laughs> excellent, excellent statement. Um, now, another point that I have here about what he is praying for in this passage is to reach a deeper faith. So kind of like what Phoebe, what Phoebe pointed out and also what Josh pointed out and of course what, what Jeremy pointed out as well was I, I believe that God's power is meant to fill us up and be the be the uh, the peace to our lives that we try to fill with other things so to be completely Armenian with you for a moment uh, which I'm not I just was I was groomed that way so I can't I can't help but but use some of these analogies that I learned through all those years but um, 
we have we have a place in our bodies, in our souls, in our spirits, that's to be occupied with with the power of God. And I believe it's all of us. I don't believe it's just one little piece. I believe it's all of us. Um, and I believe that is part of the, the process of our salvation is when we can get deeper and deeper and deeper into our faith and understand what Christ would have for us more and more continually. Um, and to be, of course, filled with all the fullness of God. Um, so the last thing I wanted to touch on with, with, re, with regard to this, the, the, the actual, um, what, what Paul is praying for here, and don't think I'm wrapping up, this is, this is part one of 17 parts. Okay? Um, I have 45 pages of notes. Um, this verse, like I said at the beginning, just penetrates me on a level that I can't quite relate. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. So when I caught on to this verse, I, I noticed several things about this. Now to him who is able, not to him who will, but to him who has the power to, he has the choice to, he is able to, but this is not a promise that he will, okay? So that's the first thing that I looked at, that when we pray, when we look to Christ for an answer, when we look to our Heavenly Father to either help us or to get us out of something or to do something that requires him to do something more abundantly than we ask. He is able to do that. Then the next thing that struck me was far more abundantly. So if I say, um, just for an example, I don't want to step on any toes, so I, I, don't want, I don't want to make sure I'm not saying the wrong thing as I scan the room. So if I say, um, you know, uh, I'm a young married couple and I, and I want, I, my wife and I want children, you know, and we pray for children. And we, want, we want a baby. We, we would be, we'd be happy with just one baby, one little baby, tiny baby. That's all we're asking for. And then you get five. You know what I'm saying? So that's where my mind goes. So um, um, that may not be a blessing. I don't know. I have three and that's like three too many. I didn't say that. Um, Where am I? Oh, yeah. Then all we ask or think. Now, I was reading the New American Standard Version at the time, and it said, uh, all we ask or even imagine, which really struck me, because I think the word imagine is probably one of the most powerful words in the English language. Um, <clears throat> I use it all the time in, in, in my journey through sales. And... When you consider for a second that God is able to do more 
than far more abundantly than you ask or even imagine, if you will, if you'll allow me to use that word here. It's mind-blowing. It's, it's simply amazing. Uh, <clears throat> many of you know that I moved to Nashville to be a musician. And that's really, really all I wanted to have happen. And then it just all fell apart. And I had no idea what in the world God was doing with me. And uh, I, was, I entered this, this state of almost despair. And now as I look back, I know this is anecdotal, but as I look back, I think, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that things didn't work out in the music business because I'm so happy now with where I am in life. And God had that laid out. Now, for you, it may be something completely different. For me, it was a career path. Um, but I really did face the music at a time when I was almost 40 years old going, my gosh, I have, I have no tangible work experience. What the heck am I going to do? Um, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, which I think is very, uh, um, I don't want to say Paul's appropriate, but I'll say it, he's appropriate, in that, as Josh pointed out, this is a verse that was written to, a, to the Ephesians. It was not, it was written to a group of people, and he is including the generations to come in his, in his prayer. So, <coughs> moving on. So I got that, okay. So here some, come some questions, and it's gonna be important that we participate in class. Your grade <laughs> depends upon it. You think I'm kidding? You're a teacher. You know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Okay, then. All right. <laughs> so here's the first question I have for you. When people pray for the power for power from God, <clears throat> what do they mean? And what do they hope to accomplish? I think a lot of times we are praying for the power to do the thing that, that we want to do. We see a thing that, that is our goal, that maybe we think that this is God's path, and maybe it is. We're praying for the power to, to do that, to execute our, our plan um, a lot of times. Give me an example. <laughs> Tell these kids this morning. There you go. Yeah, okay, kids. Okay. I, I pray for that regularly. Well, give, me, give me the power to uh, to raise these children right. Yeah. You know, or to deal with them just this moment. I have a 27 year old. That's a losing prayer. Thanks. That's just like forget about it. Don't even pray that. <laughs> Or reconciled, whatever it may be. 
when you think of evangelizing someone, I hate this, that, that, that come out, comes out wrong. It's like, when you think of beating someone, no, when you think of the word evangelism, what do you think of? Sharing the Bible, building relationships, walking just day-to-day life with them, answering questions. Mm. You know what that sounds like more to me? It sounds more like discipleship. Yeah. When I think of evangelizing, I think of, you know, the fire and brimstone guy that comes into town with a tent and, you know, heals people from, you know, deafness. While I'm on that subject... It, did, is anyone in this room familiar with Ernest Angley? Yeah. Yes? I remember him. Okay. I actually went to his church one time as, a, um, as an assignment for my psychology class. If you don't know, Ernest Angley uh, was in the Northeast Ohio area. And to say that he was a little bit different than what we teach here, is an understatement. <laughs> he was um, uh, he was a little a little bit out there. I, I don't want to I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but he was he was out there. Um, he actually uh, he was actually uh, uh, satirized on um, Saturday Night Live one time. So he's. This is before most of your time, except Larry's, of course. You're older than me. Okay, no pictures. Okay, okay. So we answered that. What do what do what do we hope to accomplish when we pray for the power of God? Does anyone else want to add something there? Because and I liked your answer very much. Thank, you. thank you. I think for me, it's when I I pretty much know the right thing to do, but I can't seem to do it. Okay. On my own, you know that, that's that's a great that's a great example. Um, just in everyday life, it's you know we are we are compelled by our own sin to go another direction. We are we are burdened with the pulling of um, doing the wrong thing all the time uh well i shouldn't say we i hate it when people do that i i i am i am i am burdened to do the wrong thing i am burdened to be lazy i am burdened to be quick tempered i am burdened to be stubborn i am burdened to be you know not understanding of my 14 year old um so yeah i I love that answer love that not yet. Yeah, we got we got quite a few more questions there. Before you go to the next question, please. You know, I just think of of uh, like going to work. I think I pray for the power to do the work that He has given me to a manner that is satisfactory to Him. Part of that includes obedience. Um, Part of that is uh, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit to say the things I should say when I should. So it's kind of a multi-part answer to the question, but to to summarize would be just to uh, be obedient 
to do the work that he has given me in a manner worthy of him. But wouldn't you say, and I'm not arguing, I'm just thinking out loud, wouldn't you say that when you put your hand to the plow, you generally plow a pretty straight line in a full field? Trying to take your analogy and put it to what I do exactly. <laughs> I would say not always. Not always? Okay. No. I find that when I get to the point where I am empowered to do what I'm supposed to do, I usually do it. I don't I don't look back and go, uh, I didn't I didn't give it my best. You know what I'm saying? But everyone's different. Josh? I'm having trouble seeing the application of principal power because I'm not seeing a direct connection there personally. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Like, for instance, when I read this text, the question that comes to my mind is did Paul write this to a group of believers or unbelievers? I'm assuming it's believers. But it says. That Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, right? And it's like there's no other way for Christ to dwell in us other than by faith. And if we're believers, then He already dwells in our hearts by faith, right? So why is He why is He praying for that? Why is He praying for a group of believers to have Christ dwell in our hearts by faith? Um. I think the best way for me to answer that is say, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just my comment on it would be, you know, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being, being like already rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and goes on. But it's that deepening of our faith and, and so often when we pray for power to uh, accomplish some task we're immediately going to the task how do i get this done and we're forgetting christ it's kind of the the uh, uh quote that we use for this class it's, uh, owen says it's, it's the, the greatest struggle in the christian life is not our lack of effort but our lack of acquaintedness with our blessings it's to, to accomplish that task, we really need to be comprehending what is the length and breadth and depth and height of, our, of the love that God has had for us in Christ Jesus. And as we consider those things, then all of a sudden that task that we've been praying for the power to have is like, oh, that's all through Christ. And it's, it just gives that perspective of how we go about to, to actually live out our faith. But it's our, our greatest, our greatest uh, difficulty is not mining the depths of what of what God has done for us. So what I hear you saying is that your faith level may be at a two or a three, but this prayer is is a prayer to reach that nine or ten level. Yeah, and which I think in okay. eternity will be beyond. We will, we will continue to be uh, exploring the height and breadth and, and length and depth. Like we will never, we will never all of a sudden get to that point where like, okay, now I fully understand it. It's like, I think eternity will be our mind being blown over and over again. Just a constant yeah. 
struggle or maybe struggles around where a constant effort to to achieve what Christ has for us in, in fullness. And I can't do that alone. I can see God working in me and I can see him working through me to some degree, but I, I can't see the fullness of that just myself. Right? I need all of your help to, to, to do that. How is God working in you? How is he comprehend all the saints? Yeah, again, um, if I can use the application of this being written to the Ephesians, it's also written, I well, correct me if I'm wrong, written to our church as CBC and our church as the churches of Nashville and our church as the churches of the United States and et cetera. Um, does that, before I move on, did you have anything else about that? Okay. Okay, so yeah, here I am. So what do you, as a believer and people that attend church on a weekly basis, what do you think God wants from you? Wants me to listen and obey. Excellent. That's that sums it up. Obedience is is that's key. monumental. It is. That's what we teach our kids whenever they're not being obedient is that you have to sort of reverse that. Remember, you're supposed to obey right away, all the way, with a cheerful heart. And we want that because we want them to trust us. We want them to love us. We want them to know that they can always come to us, and that we're always going to be there for them. Just we're trying to show them. The father's love for them. We're trying to sort of help them be acquainted with that and familiar with that through their earthly parents. And I think God doesn't merely want us to listen and obey. He wants us to do that cheerfully, with joy, with a desire to um, glorify him because we know we can be pleasing to him because we have Christ covering. Like he wants us to be obeying but joyfully obeying. I feel like I have to add that because the word obey sometimes has a Right, like it's a, a task. Yeah, um, I, I get that. Um, you know, my first thought is when I read that uh, was, you know, obedience uh, is is better than sacrifice. That verse, and um, I know that that God does require us to obey, but within that obedience, what does that look like? On the ground running daily life. Okay, I'm, I'm obeying, but what does that mean? Taking thoughts captive to the Word of God. Okay. You can't know what to obey if you're not reading His Word. Okay, so... What He's telling so, us to do. So, reading His Word? Okay. See, I'm, I'm, I'm searching for concrete <clears throat> things right now. Like obedience, that's my that's my primary answer. That's the first thing I go to. You know, as you drop down, what does it mean to obey for us as adults? You know, obey, obey. Who who am I supposed to obey? Yes, ma'am. I think it's 
important to remember, and I think, at least I know for myself, often forget that I'm no longer my own. I was bought with a heavy price, you know, and that that when I'm called to do something that's, you know, just not what I'm wanting, I have to remember. Remember, it doesn't matter. I, I'm not my own. I need to you know, submit to the Father or to the Holy Spirit in what I'm being called to do and go forward and do that. Sometimes, even if you can't do it joyfully, it's better to obey, go and do it, and let God do the work in your heart to transform your attitude, you know? Because to me, um, we're not gonna always perfectly obey with a joyful heart, and that's not to say that we shouldn't strive for that, but we certainly should obey regardless. And where we cannot change our attitudes or our hearts, because I, I have seen God do that in me, where I was absolutely convinced nothing is gonna change my mind on this. And God did change my mind, you know? It gave me the ability to move forward in obedience, and then he changed my heart and my attitude, you know? and. That was so powerful to me to see that because I did not think anything would change my mind. And it just revealed to me it was powerful. It was very powerful. I'm supposed to count others as more significant than myself. So Larry Larry asked me if why I'm not going back to Nicaragua. Is that God talking through Larry to me? He, I'm not asking you. I'm asking everybody else. So maybe, so maybe, so you know. I mean, the fact that I'm saying it is that is that evidence that God is tugging on my heart to go back to Nicaragua? No, it is not. I will tell you that right now. I mean, but you know, am, am I being disobedient in this area? I don't know. Right now, I don't know. I guess I'm going to have to. Pray about it, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not talking to Larry about it. Nick, for me... Yes, ma'am. I was so used to making my own decisions, and, you know, I was in the flesh, and I decided what was going to be done and thought, surely Lord, the Lord would go along with that. For me, since being regenerated, it is a matter of lean not to my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge him, and he will direct my spirit. Amen. He will direct my steps. That's getting very intimate when the word says the man, the mind of a man plans his way, but God directs his steps. He gets down where the road, where the shoe leather meets the road. And, and it's a very comforting thing to know, but we are to become more dependent upon him and less dependent upon ourselves, talking to him about everything. And so at least I am. That's what I've been convicted of, that I'm to include him, don't exclude him. He's there, and he did, he's given me everything that is needed for me to be able to live for him. Everything. He's even planned the works I should walk in. It's all done. I just need to, when I get here and I've got, I can go left, right, or straight, I don't know, ask him. And it's, and it's true. He's there, and he's able to. 
Sometimes I just say, Father, you know what? Here's what I'm able to ask or think. Here's what I can think and here's what I can ask. And I'm just waiting to see what you're going to do with that. It's so exciting. And so I just, you know, to say listen and obey sounds simple. But what it means is taking off the old self and putting on the new self. <coughs> walking in that. Amen. so twisted up in what is God's will for my life and so concerned about finding God's will. Well, that's, that's good. Not necessarily that thing. But like Romaine said, you live, God has laid out in the Bible what we are to do. You don't know what decision. Well, he said, love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. You start there. Well, as a parent, I have additional commands. You know, to, to love my children, to raise them in the admission of glory too. So there's, there's things that we don't know what to do. We'll go to scripture. Start with those basics. If I'm to love my neighbor and, you know, an opportunity pops up and somebody needs a, a meal for mom just had a baby. Well, there's a good opportunity to love my neighbor. You know, you hear a, you hear a, a an ask at the church. You're trying to figure out what to do with, you know, extra money or free time. I don't know. And, and church needs volunteers to, to love on their kids or to serve as a greeter or something. I mean, those are, there's so much we can do that falls falls under those commands that a lot of times it, we can get so tied up in what is God's will that we're just frozen in place and we don't want to move forward in life because we don't want to make the wrong choice or choose the wrong college degree or the wrong person to marry when a lot of times we forget to just God has told us here's the most important things you do these things and I don't I don't think that there's a one right yeah, path, you just gotta thread your way through all these minefields. Not if you're you're loving God and you're loving others. And he tells us in his word what to do. I, I've heard that referred to that inact inaction is paralysis by analysis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some of us are more prone to it than others. <laughs> well, yes, sir. Just one thing is that <clears throat> just following what Michelle's saying is God is good. God's the only good thing that exists. And so if what we're doing, we can run it through those filters and it's a good thing. I don't know why we would hold back. So, I mean, that, that's a part of it is just similar to what Phoebe is saying. It's like filling ourselves or having ourselves filled where that's all there is is good. I mean, it... it some ways it narrows down our opportunities, but it also opens up others. And they're all wholesome and they're all decent and they're and there's more than one good choice to make, as long as we're being honest. You know, you bring up a really good point. Um, I will get to the point where I am where I have a, an issue in front of me. It may be, probably, most likely it'll be work, okay? And I'll, I'll be angsting over it <clears throat> and sleepless nights and butterflies in my stomach about what could possibly happen in this situation. And it's several days before I even think about praying about this issue. And I don't know if anybody else is in that situation or... 
Um, everyone in here is more disciplined than I am in their prayer life, but holy cow, it's, it's like I'm so overwhelmed by the problem. There's a side of me that holds back and says, I have to figure this out for myself because I can't, I can't just throw this on God's lap and say, you know, here, fix this. But when the, the reality is, is that's what I'm commanded to do. So I, I, I like, yeah, struck a chord. Okay, so we have time for one more question. Um, let me pick it. Okay, so we'll, we'll end with this question. So what does Paul want the Ephesians to know about God's character? And I'll give you the rest of the question. His character, his heart, and his intentions for them. This is for um, this is for fifty percent of your grade, Dixie. So what does that tell us about his character? That he wants to give to his children. Yes. I love that answer. I love that answer. And you could you could equate that to his heart as well. And then so his intention for them is to lavish upon his children joy unspeakable. Who else? Dixie. Dixie, Dixie. <laughs> I'm a lot of people have a chance. Oh, I see. The greatest writing on this question. Bring everybody in. It reminds me of what, what uh, Christ says: "Your heavenly Father knows what you're going to ask even before you ask it." And here He's saying, even far more abundantly than we can even ask or think. Mm-hmm. So it's like when we're going through difficult times, we're struggling, whatever it might be, and we, we're, we're praying for relief or whatever whatever our prayer might be. Usually if we're suffering, we're praying to, to that the suffering be done away with and we can move on to better things. But we can have that that peace as children of God. My, my mind can only think of one or two possibilities to kind of help me through this thing. Right. He knows. And he actually wants to do far more abundantly than what I can even imagine would be the, the best thing for me. And not, just, comfort. not just the best thing for us, but for his glory also. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I love to think about, <clears throat> because when I, when I lose sight of, of God's love for me, and, which is really seems easy to do at certain times, but I think about my love for my own children. And... I, I try to draw an analogy out of that, even though it's a, a, a completely imperfect analogy. Um, it's the best that I have. Um, and I think, what harm would I ever do to my children? No matter what they bring to me. No matter what they bring to me. And a lot of you know my, the story of my oldest. And when when she came to us with this information, it was like, we love you. We love you. And by the way, 
I've known. <laughs> so it's like, if my, if my reaction to my own children, and I'm a flawed, flawed human being, can be so loving in the face of something that has torn families apart, what, how much more love does God have for me? What is his character? What is his heart? What does he have intent? What does he intend for me as his child? If, if I, who's the least of these, can love my children the way I love my children. So, well, <clears throat> with that, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll go ahead and pray. Um, before I do that, I want to see if there's, if there are any prayer requests in the room. Okay. Pray for our town hall tonight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thinking. I'll pray for our town hall tonight. That's excellent. Okay. Um, all right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again so much that you have given us the very unique privilege of studying who you are and hearing from everyone in the room about how you are working in their lives and the encouragement that we receive from each other. We just praise you for those things and thank you. And while we're considering that you are able to do more than all that we think or imagine or ask, we place before you the town hall meeting this evening, that you may work in that fashion even tonight, even at CBC. And be with us all as we, as we go from here. <clears throat> and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.